All right, I'm going to get into the Word with you. I'm starting a brand new series tonight. This has really been on my heart. Uh, I can't really get away from it. And, uh, but I want to talk to you tonight, uh, uh, start a new series entitled, The Power of Communion. Uh, the Power of Communion. Before this service is over tonight, we're going to be sharing communion together. And uh, I just want to, uh, I want to give you some understanding, maybe help you look at something in a way that you've never seen. First thing I want to do, I, I just, I want, I want to tell you something. Please hear me, church. God is working and doing amazing things. Whether you see it or not, whether you feel it or not, and it may not be what you think it ought to be, what you think it ought to look like, but God is working, and God is right here. Me and Pastor have been together this week, and we were chatting Pastor Val the other day, and I, as we were together, I said, Pastor, you know what? We haven't had a real directive word uh, to this house, really, in almost a number of months. Now, God has spoke, but I'm talking about a word of direction, a real directive word. Now, if we don't have that, doesn't mean that we're out of, out of the plan of God. It might mean that we're right where we need to be. God doesn't need to speak anything else different to us. I really struggle uh, with, and me and we, again, I have this conversation all the time, and I got to get, this is going to be tied into what we're going to, uh, what I'm going to speak tonight. Uh, I really get challenged sometimes by all the prophets that we're listening to that are constantly prophesying. Now, please hear me. I'm all for it. I believe it. But there's a fine line of how much is really the Lord and how much is now, that because of the crowd, you got to prophesy. you got to, and that's what's expected. And God doesn't have to speak everything over and over and over. If he said it and he's given us a directive, that may be all that we have, have need of. Uh, you, you know, I, don't, I, I remember years ago coming over when I first came, I was going to Sykeston and never really been there this way. And uh, so when I got on the interstate out here, the sign told me Sykeston. That way and how many miles, I think. When I got on the interstate and started going, I'm one of these, I like to really, you know, I want to know for certain I'm on the road. I'd only been on the road about 10 minutes, and I am already questioning, am I on the road? Am I going the right way? Now, the sign told me, Sykeston, that way. Yeah, thank you. That way. Am I that way? Whichever way. That way. All right, we're going that way. And the more, but the more I went and didn't feel, here's the thing. The more I went and didn't feel, the more I began to want to get off the road because I was uncomfortable. The road map didn't change. The sign didn't change. I'm the guy that was uncomfortable. I wasn't seeing what I wanted to see, feel what I wanted to feel. Matter of fact, it got to be a pretty good distance. If you've never rode there, it was a pretty good distance before I saw the next sign that pointed me there. But the closer I got to where I was supposed to go, the more the signs began to let me know that I was there. But it wasn't necessarily a Sykeston sign. 
It could have been, go catch this, go get hit in the head with this thrown road from Lambert's or, or something like this that would be along the way. But it let me know I was in the place. So sometimes, church, when you're not feeling everything, doesn't mean we're off course. It doesn't mean we've missed anything. It doesn't mean God's left us. We're just on the journey. We're still on the journey of trying to get to where God wants to get us to. I just begin to pull out uh, the word of the Lord because every word that comes in this house, especially directive, I've wrote down and I've got it filed and I go back and I re-listen to them over and over and over. And I'm making sure because the word said, believe me, God said, believe me, you'll be established, believe my prophets and you'll prosper. And over and over and over, without I don't have time to read every, every prophecy, every one of them was confirming what God said where we were. God said, I remember one that Pastor Val spoke uh, ba- back in, uh, oh, when was it? It was earlier in the year or last year, late last year. Here it is, I believe it was. He said, God said, I want you to know I'm not a visitor here. I'm here. I'm here. Now, you and I got to know if God says he's here, he's here. But if you're waiting on a feeling, you might miss it because he's here. And he is doing things in people's life. I went all the way back. I guess it was almost an entire year. Prophet Aguilar was here back in March, and he prophesied some things uh, about the work of the Lord and what God would do that would keep us right on track, right where we are. We went to the time when Pastor Val's son was here. He spoke about strategy and how these things would, would unfold in a sense and what God was doing. Walked all the way back to the first of the year of, of 2002 when Pastor uh, Val Mitch Clay and uh, Steve Sampson was here as our governing overseeing group that watches over us were here and every one of them was speaking. And the Lord said, I hear the Lord say, it is not like it was before. But that's where most of us want to go, is to where we've always been. So I want you to know, I'm not going to take time to read all that, but I want you to know that God is moving. I really believe it with all my heart. I'm excited about what the Lord is doing. Now, Pastor, how does that tie into what you're going to preach tonight? I'm glad you asked. So let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse, uh, verse 23. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. You know these passages real well, but I would encourage you to <coughs> mark them down. Remember my title tonight of what I'm teaching you is The Power of Communion. Paul said, For I have received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. 
Now, I want you to understand something tonight. I want to share something with you. I believe this is of the Lord. I started, me and Diane, I tell you this all the time, we take communion quite often. Not every night, but we're, we're probably 90% of the time uh, we'll take communion together uh, before we go to bed at night. Uh, we got a bottle of juice and we got crackers. Diane laughs at me because sometimes a cracker gets stale and I gives it to her. Or I give it to her. And, uh, and then I, you know, she said we ought to bring some sweet bread or something. But anyway, we cracking up about that. Uh, but we do that. And I've done that all through. I really started it before COVID. And I really believe the Lord was teaching me something through that. And I want you to know tonight that communion is more than a sacrament. Now, that's the way most people look at it. When you're going to take communion, I've had people ask me, how often do you take communion in the church? When do you do it? And such as that. It is more than a sacrament. Now, a sacrament simply means a religious ceremony or a ritual regarded as imparting divine grace, such as baptism and penance. Now, if we just did it once in a while, and that's what we've done in the past, uh, it would be nothing wrong with it, but it is more, it is more than just religious activity. It's more than religious duty. But I believe this tonight, and two things I want to give you. It is a key for kingdom advancement and a weapon against our enemy. Two things I'm going to share with you through communion. It is a key for kingdom advancement. You remember what Paul, or what Jesus said to Peter? You remember when Peter, uh, Jesus asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? You remember all of that? And when he walked through it, he said, thou art the Christ. He said, you know, this has been revealed of my Father in heaven. And he said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. But he said, now upon this rock I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I will give you keys to the kingdom. I'm going to give you some keys. I'm going to release some keys into your hand. And I believe when you and I can see, maybe see what communion is from this perspective, you will see it as a key of kingdom advancement, but also a weapon against our enemy. A weapon to use against our enemy. Now it's interesting, remember, Paul said, this has been given to me of the Lord. Now, I want to talk to you about the church of Corinth just for a moment. I'm going to read to you uh, from the sub I guess you could say some of the, uh, whatever that is in the front, just before you start getting into the book uh, of Corinthians. It says this, 1 Corinthians reveals the problems, the pressures, and the struggles of a church called out of a pagan society. Factions, lawsuits, immorality, questionable practices, abuse on the Lord's Supper, spiritual gifts, in addition to the words of discipline, Paul shares words of counsel in answer to questions raised by the believers. I should have started at the very beginning. Uh, Corinth was the most important city in Greece during Paul's day. It was a bustling hub of worldwide commerce, a degraded culture, and an idolatrous region. And there, Paul founded a church. And you can go to the book of Acts chapter 18 and find where Paul uh, planted or established the church of Corinth. 
Now, keep in mind, this is after the day of Pentecost, right? Holy Ghost has been poured out on the church. The church is flourishing. The church is moving. The church is growing, in a sense. The gospel, as we would say, is being propagated or it's being spread all over the world. But evidently for Paul to write to the church, there are now issues, as I just, as I just read to you. There were misuses and abuses, and there were things that were going on among this people. How could that happen so fast? How could it happen? I don't know how, how long that was. It couldn't have been too awful many years from the outpouring of the Holy Ghost and the fire of God and revival setting upon the land and the church was established and they were thriving in the things of God. I'll show you in a moment. They were thriving in the things of God, but now Paul has to come and say, where are you guys at? What's happened to you guys? Something has gotten off course. Things have gotten out of whack. It's gotten abuses and misuses and different things were going on. So Paul now is writing to the church and he said, we got to get this straightened out. So he says, it's been given to me of the Lord. And he starts out like this, on the night that he would be betrayed, that he took bread and gave thanks. Now, was he just giving us something, or was he giving us a pattern for something? He was actually doing both. He was establishing a precedence in the eyes of those early, those early apostles. Remember, he hasn't gone to the cross when, when this was first established because he made his triumphant entry into Jerusalem, and then he comes in. You know, he walks through the temple. He does that thing. He curses the fig tree. Then he has this meal with his disciples, and Judas is there with him. And he takes off his robe. He serves them this I guess you could say this Passover meal, this feast that was going on. And as they, as they go through there, Jesus takes off his robe and he puts on the towel. He goes around and he begins to serve them. And they go through this ritual. They go through this motion of something that Jesus was teaching them. But then evidently, they didn't catch it. Or Paul wouldn't have needed another revelation of it. So he said, it's been given to me of the Lord. I want you to understand what's happening. On the night that he would be betrayed, Jesus took bread and he gave thanks. On the night, in that dark moment of our lives, in that moment when betrayal hits us, anybody ever been there? Maybe you're in a dark moment of your life. Maybe that moment you don't understand. Maybe it seems like all hell is broken loose against us or against you and everything else. In that moment, Jesus took bread and this is what he did. He gave thanks. What was he doing? He was refocusing himself. He was refocusing those disciples. Not only that, he was telling us how we should conduct ourselves even in the midst of the darkness, even in the midst, even in the midst of the betrayal. That's really hard to do. So I'm going to give you three things real quick. Three things I, real, I believe real quick for kingdom advancement. Are you okay? Here's the first one. Communion helps keep us in alignment. It helps keep us in alignment. The word alignment means to arrange in a straight line. It means to, uh, or in a straight line, or a correct or appropriate relative position, or a position of agreement. Let's go back to the first chapter of, of Corinthians. 
Paul starts out and he starts in verse 4. He said, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus. That you being enriched, that you were, listen to what he said, you were enriched in everything by him in all utterance and all knowledge even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you so that you come behind or come so that you come short in no gift eagerly waiting for the revelation of Christ he said i thank my god always concerning you that you were enriched you're not just being enriched you've already received it paul said to them and notice something that he said to them he said, so that you come short in no gift. Now, what does that mean? I believe it could mean a couple of different things. First of all, all the goodness and all the graces and all the blessings that God has for us. Because that's what Jesus come to do. We were enriched with that. God has blessed us according to Ephesians 1. He has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We're a blessed people because of Jesus. But life comes. Something's happened over this period of time. In this short time, maybe it's the pressures of life. Maybe it's, maybe it's the involvement of everything going on in the world. If you don't think this stuff messes with you, you we're all mistaken. It don't take but about five minutes watching the news. We're all madder than we can be. Oh, come on. We all get messed up. It gets into our emotions. I was talking to my brother this morning. We were talking about the event that went on in Louisville where a young man, good-looking young man, walks into a bank, and a former employee, and decides he's going to kill everybody. Five or six dead and many wounded and, and, and such as that. I, I don't, man, it is crazy. Who would have ever thought that you and I are watching all of this in real time? In a moment, you're watching what those officers were doing as bullets were coming at them as they're trying to duck and get out of the way. If that don't mess with you, we're greatly mistaken. Even watching this goofy beer commercial, I think of a transgender that, uh, that is there and what it's doing to you, you know people that do that. It messes with all of us. The culture, the society, you have to realize it was an evil day. And, and Paul said it like this even to Timothy, and he sends Timothy to the church. He said, Timothy, in your day, it's going to be perilous times. Evil is all around us. And guys, I, I don't know about you, I don't live in the clouds. I know you do, but I don't. I, I'm not a holy Joe every day. There's a few days I get close to cussing. I said close. I don't do it. I get close. And some of you probably do. Hello. Just because we live. Y'all got to lighten up. Come on, guys. Because we live in this kind of world. So what did, what did he do? He said, I've got it. Paul's coming. He said, I'm going to refocus you. I got to realign you. Because if you're not running right in alignment, you're eventually, you're, you're going to wear out. You're, you're, you're not going to track right. 
You're going to pull. You're going to be pulled. I, I got my mechanic back there, Mr. Joe Kitchen and Teresa in the house tonight. And Joe watches over my my automobile for me. And and you know what? I, I think it works like this. If your tires start getting out of alignment, it'll start pulling it you, you'll go down the road and all of a sudden you're, you're drifting and sometimes that's what begins to happen to us that we start drifting and we don't know why we just run this way so long I don't like but I'm drifting and God has a way of pulling us back in because he hadn't changed his mind about what he's going to do I think we got this idea about God that he changes his mind about every other day and I'm more convinced he hasn't changed anything from the beginning to the end. He's just bringing us to places of understanding to know what he's doing. So he brings us to this place of alignment. So how does that happen? So when I take that bread and I take that cup, I'm reminded because what he's saying, I'm getting ready to give my body for you and I'm getting ready to shed my blood for you. And so as I take it and I really understand what I'm doing, it helps me focus. Wait a minute, God's got control of everything and he's pulling me in. He's getting me back to get myself in alignment with his purpose. So that I don't come up short. So that I don't fail. I, I believe even not only the graces and the goodness of God, but it could be also be talking about the, the gifts of the Spirit, our function, our ministry, everything that we're about. It all comes. It's a perspective of everything that God brings us to get us back into alignment. Are you okay? Remember, Paul's talking to the church and he finds this kind of right in the middle of things. Let me give you the second thing here. So that we're not out of focus. And we can see clearly. So that we can see clearly. That's what focus really means. So that we can really see clearly. What's the purpose? Why am I even here? What are we called to do? You know, at the end of the day, I don't care what church you're from, what church out there, title, call, gift, whatever's on top of them, you know we're all called to the same purpose. At the end of the day, notice how I said, at the end of the day, we're all called to the same purpose. And I believe that really in the middle of all of it is a twofold purpose. One is to glorify Jesus. It's to make Jesus known. That's, that, that's why we've got our values the way it is, our core value. We want this place to be all about Jesus. All about Jesus. Notice what I said, not about miracles. I said about Jesus. But if you have Jesus, you've got miracles. Hello? Jesus is the center of it all. And I believe the second reason for all of us is that this gospel is spread till every man, woman, boy, and girl has opportunity to receive Jesus. Hello. But we may do it differently. So we got, he brings us to keep us focused, to get our attention. L look at verse 10. He said, now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there are no divisions among you, but that you are perfectly joined in the same mind and in the same judgment. Now, 
I, I've been in Kent meeting this week. Been in other meetings this week. And I've heard other advances. I've heard other preachers say the same thing. Revival isn't coming until we all become one. Now how in the cat hair is that going to happen? Because we can't even agree on a service. Every one of them are saying it. I heard it the other night. I could write, I wrote it down. Revival isn't coming till we all become one. Until the body. And what did Paul say? Listen to what he said. I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus, that you speak the same thing. Boy, that's tough. And not only that, but there be no divisions, schisms or dissensions among you, but we're all of the same mind and the same judgment. I don't know how many here. It's not a gigantic crowd tonight. But if I had two, I still got two different opinions. And I've got two different ideas. You've heard it. It's been in your car. It's like my family in my office every Sunday morning. Where y'all want to eat? I don't care. Yeah, you do. Just tell us where to go. Okay, I will. I don't want to go there. That happens in my office. I almost have to cast a demon out of there every week. And then we got the picky eaters. Well, I don't like that. I, I, I only eat French fries. I only eat bread, right? You know what it is. And he said that there are no divisions and that we are joined in the same mind and in the same spirit. Wait a minute, in the same spirit. I, I believe he's talking about the, the spirit of God there, but also believe in the same spirit, the same, the same drive with one another. Man, what would ever happen? It really, with a group of people, if man, everybody had the same intensity and the same desire and the same passion for the very same thing. I believe it would be incredible. Then he goes on to say, for it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, by those of Chloe's household, that there are contentions among you. I know he's speaking to the other churches, none about us. But he said, now I say this, that each of you says, listen, how is it? I'm Paul, I'm of Paul, and I'm of Apollos, and I'm of Cephas, or I am Christ. Four different ministers, four different anointings here. He's talking about one says, I'm of this one, I'm of Charlie. Another one says, I'm of Jill. Another one says, I'm of Vicky over there. And another one says, I'm of Tom. It's their teaching. That's who I'm following. He said, there's contentions among you. Man, you are quiet tonight. Now I say that each of you says, I am Paul, or I am of Apollos, and I am Cephas, or I am Christ. He asked the question, is Christ divided? No. No. Was Paul crucified for you? No. Was Charlie crucified for you? No. Was Jill crucified for you? No. Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? No. I thank God. Listen to what Paul said. He said, I'm so thankful. I thank God I didn't baptize any of you. Now, he wasn't speaking against baptism, but he was speaking against the nonsense going on in the church. Because they were taking sides and being divided. 
And so he said, I think I didn't. He said, the only ones I baptized was, uh, I think it's Crispus and Gaius, lest anyone should say that I had baptized them in my own name. Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus. Besides, I do not know whether I baptized any other. Listen to what he said. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. He said, he sent me for a purpose. Now, wait a minute, was he, was he speaking against baptism? No. But he said, that's not the main thing. No more than it is worship. No more than it is offerings. No more than it is. He said, the main thing that I have been sent to do is to preach this gospel of Jesus Christ coming from heaven to earth to die and rose again on the third day so that you could live and you could have life and have it more abundantly. And there's even contentions over what the gospel is. But he said, that's what we're called to. Let's back that up a few years. Why did the Holy Spirit being poured out? What was Jesus' reason? Jesus said in John 14, he told them he's getting ready to go. He said, don't let your heart be troubled. I'm getting ready to leave here. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you that where I am there, you may be also. And those disciples are looking at him like, where are you going? Can we go with you? And he's saying, not now, I'm preparing a place for you. Now he perceives that their heart is heavy. That's why he said, don't let your heart be troubled, because he's telling them this stuff. He said, I'm not going to leave you as an orphan. I'm going to have one come alongside of you that are, that's going to be with you. Not only will he be with you, but he's going to be in you. But let's back up even before that. Why did he call them in the first place? Follow me so I can have a great following. No. He spoke unto all 12 of follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. He said, you're the light of the world, the salt of the earth. Back it up. That was his whole issue. Now he's coming and he said, I'm getting ready to go. I'm turning the family business over you. I've trained you. I've equipped you. I've shown you everything that's going to be involved. And in the spreading of the gospel, there's going to be a lot of things involved. There's going to be healing. There's going to be deliverance. There's going to be people raised from the dead. There's going to be great meetings. There's going to be giving out food. There's going to be all of these things that are a part, a part, listen to what I'm saying, are a part. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, the main reason for it all is that everybody hears and knows about Jesus. They all hear and know about Jesus. So he's saying, I'm going but you can't do this by yourself. So Luke 24, 49, he says, Tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high so that, what? You can go be a witness. Acts chapter 1, 8, And you shall be witnesses of me. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you'll be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost part of the earth. God's already empowered you. How many in the room are spirit-filled? If you are, you are empowered. God's power is in you. It's not coming, it's in you. Look at your neighbor and say, it's in you. You got more in you than what you realize. So that you can keep focused, so that you can fulfill the purpose of God. 
He didn't say so we could go have great meetings. He said so that everywhere I go, I'm going to operate in such a supernatural manner that people are going to see Jesus through my life. I think one of the things that God is, we're in a reset, the whole nation, right? Bring in every, I believe God's resetting the church as well. Because we've been, been about all great meetings. Somebody brought something up the other day at a meeting that I was at up in St. Louis just Tuesday. And uh, somebody brought it up in this leaders meeting about Asbury. That all of a sudden Asbury is no longer being talked about. Is it over? Or was it ever what you and I thought it was? Is it over? Or is it still going on? It's just not in that same building. Is it over or is there other things that God is doing? I believe God is moving and doing through other things. We're just not hearing about Asbury because this is what we got. We've, we've all become to think. It's in a place. It's in a building. It's in a room. And God's saying, no, it's in you. So that everywhere you go, you're carrying revival. You're extending the kingdom. Well, Pastor, why is it happening? Because probably one was probably we've been, we, we've been out of alignment and God is refocusing us. Are you okay? I better land this jet quickly. She said, I know so that this gospel can be preached. Here's the third reason, my last reason for the evening. This is a good one. So that we can get out of our flesh. And really live that supernatural life we're supposed to live. Paul, if you keep reading on through there, Paul, Paul talks about the message of the cross being foolishness to, to those that are perishing, but to us that believe it's the power of God. But if I look at it through my flesh, I'll be as foolish as those that don't believe. Because it doesn't make sense to me. Anybody but me ever get up once in a while? I, I thought this, seriously. God, is there anything to this? Am I just going through the routine? Am I, am I having people come out for no reason? That's my flesh. I don't know about you. I, I, Mark, I know you pastored for a while. I, I don't know if that ever thought ever hit you, but it has me from, not real often, but it has from, from time to time. But my flesh gets involved. And, and then Paul's talking about in chapter 2, uh, this is an incredible thing. Uh, man, Paul said, I didn't come to you in verse 4. He said, I didn't come to you with man's wisdom, but I came in the demonstration of the spirit and power that your faith may not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And I believe people that are walking in the spirit don't have to be walking in the clouds, but when you're walking in the spirit, you're walking in a measure of authority and demonstration that other people can recognize. We can walk in it in a way that people, other people can see. It's the power of God on us. He said, however, we speak wisdom among you who are mature, yet not the wisdom of the age, nor are the rulers of the age, nor are, who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in mysteries, that hidden wisdom of God which was ordained before the ages. 
Boy, I love this verse, and I've quoted it a lot, and you have too. Eye hath not seen, ear hath not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God hath prepared for them that love him. Boy, isn't that good? Man, we quote that by faith, right? We haven't seen anything yet, but we don't finish it up. We don't finish the chapter. Look at the next verse. But God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. There shouldn't be anything surprising us because God has revealed things to us. But if we're walking immaturely, if we're walking out of focus, if we're walking out of alignment, this is where I live. You know what? I believe one day revival's going to come. I believe it's here soon. And this, and we'll say, I have not seen, ear hath not heard. We're giving ourselves hope. But then he turns around and says, but we know. But we know. Man, I, I want to tell you, God is doing more than any of us could ever imagine. Our problem is we can't get out of our flesh. And I know that's none of you. It's all the other people. But we can't get out of our flesh. Let's look at chapter 3, verse 1. And Paul is speaking and said, I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as unto carnal. Wait a minute. He didn't say evil. He just said carnal. What's carnality? You're operating out of your flesh, out of human reasoning. You're looking at things through now. I just don't think God would do that. Really? How do you know God wouldn't do that? It's just your feeling about God. He went on to say, he said, I can't speak to you as spiritual people, but as unto carnal. Listen to what he said. Even as babes in Christ. I wanted to give you some meat, but you weren't ready for that, so I keep giving you milk. Maverick turns two Sunday. He comes to our house and, you know, he, he's, a, he's a good guy. And Diana feed him. But we still have to say, Maverick, little bites. Because he wants to take the whole banana and shove it in there. Or he wants to take the whole cookie in. And then the next thing you know, he's <coughs> carrying on. And we're raising his arm, come out. All of that good stuff. Scaring us all half to, you know, whatever. But he's a babe. He's not ready. We're not giving him T-bones. We're not giving him. There are certain things they'll give him. His food is soft. It's pliable for him. And that's what God is saying. He said, I, I really want to give you some spiritual stuff. But he said, most of you said you're still acting out of your flesh and, and you're really being treated like babes. And this is why for, for until now you were not able to receive it. Even now you are still not able for you, for you are still carnal for where, listen to this, for where there are envying and strife and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like men? And the word behaving there simply means I'm walking like a man instead of like God. Now I want to challenge this church. Because if everything I'm preaching to you is true, and I believe it is, with all my heart, I wouldn't lead you wrong in any form or fashion. And yes, I do know I can miss it. 
But I've listened to many of us give churches down the road about things we don't even have a clue about. Never went there, don't know nothing, just heard a few things. You've heard me say this before years ago. Bill Hybels was the first seeker-friendly church in the nation. Only had about 20,000 people. This was the early 90s, maybe late 80s, early 90s. Chicago. Easter Sunday, they couldn't meet in their church. They met where the Chicago Bulls played ball. They filled up the, the stadium. Well, us Pentecostal charismatics, you know, we're fired up full of the Holy Ghost and everything else. Well, those guys are nothing but, they're nothing but compromisers. Beer drinking, wine sipping. And you know what? We all begin to repeat that. Don't know where it came from, but we all begin to repeat it. I remember when Dr. Parrish, where Damien uh, is at, him and Shelley are now serving that church. When Dr. Parrish came to town, what was it, 50 years ago, I believe it was, when he established that church. We were... We are holiness Pentecost. I still, I'm as Pentecostal as ever been. I still believe in holiness and, and all that good stuff. But we begin to hear, we begin to hear about the charismatic movement. Those charismatics. You can't, you know, you, you, you don't want to get involved with those charismatics. Don't know where it came from. But we started saying it. Everybody in church. I thought it's Have we had people leaving us to go to that charismatic church? Until God began to direct me, I'm thinking, why does people want to go to that charismatic church? And me and Diane felt led of the Lord to go see it for ourselves. So we went on a, they haven't revived, can't remember exactly what it was. I just know it was a night evening service that me and Diane went, went into the back of the church. The place was jam-packed. People were driving all over, just like some of you. I've asked you, why did you come to this church years ago? You came because there was a move of God. I was talking to Miss Judy about this the other day. Because the power of God was falling in the place. So you left where you were to come here. And we walked into the back of that charismatic church. And when I walked into the back of it, I saw people that, I saw them from the backside. And I noticed something, and you're looking at everybody from the backside, you don't see a lot of difference. The only difference I saw, I didn't see men in suits, except pastor. Maybe there was other suits, it just, he was the main one. I saw women with their hair cut. Oh, you guys are already going to hell over that one. I saw women with earrings on. I'm looking at them from the back, and I... You know, we're so, what's, what's up with this church? But the one thing I could not deny of any of it had nothing to do with those people. I couldn't deny the presence and the spirit of the Lord that was in the place. See, I had to go see it though. I had to go see it. And Paul says here, we're carnal because, man, we've got people, instead of us being the church, remember, until we become one, how are we going to have revival? How are we going to have revival? I can't, I, I can't, well, that, that brother, I meet with guys now that our doctrines may not necessarily totally align. They may not agree with everything. They may say, you got to be baptized this way, or you got to preach it this way, or you got to do this. I, I'm challenging us, church, to get ourselves focused and get ourselves in line. And, and believe me, we're even in a different day. 
And for my gray hairs that are in the room, church, it isn't going to be like it was 30 years ago. This generation don't look, look, listen, uh, he's not in here, he's in the back, but everybody that sees Samuel, ever since he's been born, they'll say, look at that's your mini-me. That's your mini-me right there. He's not as strong, he's a Detweiler. But no matter, he's what, three, third third generation? Yeah, me, Stace, and the next one. So he'd be third, right? Grandson. So the deal is, even though he's a Detweiler, my daughter is back there. He still has my DNA. And even after his kids and his grandkids are going to have my DNA, but I don't expect them to do and look and act like I do. Hello? And it doesn't make them wrong. It's where they are. If we're not careful, we're misjudging everything. I'm, this is why communion is so important. So when I come back and I say, God, you died for us. You died for the sins of the world. Your blood was shed for us, for all men. It keeps bringing me back to the cross, to the purpose of what Jesus died for, for all men. No such thing as a black church, white church. Listen. It's not a racial problem. It's an immaturity problem. It's a spiritual problem that we're not willing to deal with and we're not willing to look at it that way. I was in with a group the other day with a brother in a business the other day here in town that most of us would say, oh, that's one of those attraction churches. You know, they threw Holy Ghost up in the back room. They don't want him exposed out here. Well, I don't know that. That's just what I've been told. But I was in the business the other day, and I was talking to the man, and he talked more Jesus than anybody in this room does. Boldly and loudly. So that everybody in his business knew that he was in love with Jesus. I was told another about another church in our town that most of us wouldn't probably run after. And we would think, man, those guys really aren't preaching the full gospel. They're, they're taking the addicts. They're taking those that are bound up. They're teaching them. They're feeding, and they're leading them how to be filled with the Holy Ghost. They're just not doing it our way. So I believe with all my heart, and i got to land my jet, got to get it down. I believe with all my heart the power of communion is to keep us focused, to get us back in alignment, to keep us focused, and to keep us out of our flesh. Because remember what Jesus said the night he would be betrayed, and a night he didn't understand what was going on. First thing he did, Father, I thank you. I thank you for what you're doing. He's giving us a pattern. I thank you. For what you're doing. I want you to stand with me tonight. Larry, would you? Hey, uh, Michael, would you take one of those trays and help me real quick? We're going to do communion together before we leave here. We're going to do it tonight. Listen, if you're at home and you want to do this, you don't have to have these things. I got a big jar of, 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 of grape juice. But if you don't have grape juice at home, just get a cracker, a piece of bread, just something to acknowledge. Wait a minute. It's not about the, about the bread and this. It's what it represents. It's what it's symbolizing in our lives.
to do this. But Jesus said on the night that he was betrayed, listen to what he said, that he took bread. And he said, as often as you do this. How often do I need to do it? Once a month? Once a year? As often as you need it. If you're in the battle, take it every day. There's sometimes I take it two or three times in here. I've done it at home. Come the first thing in the morning. Do it again. Maybe in the afternoon. Do it again. Pastor, are you fair? No, it's helping me stay. God, I'm remembering what you did for me. We're in the battle. We're in the fire. We're in the heat of things. I need one of those, Michael, if you'll bring me one. So as often as you do it, as often as you do it, first thing he said, he said, I want you to remember. I want you to remember. Remember what I've done for you. Remember where I brought you. He even takes us back further than that. Go back to the big. Remember how I brought my church. Why do you think we have this Old Testament to tell us God's plan, God's will, and show us mankind and this thing that he's never got off track with? He said, I want you to remember, and I want you to be able to tell your children so that we've got a future in front of us. Because if we don't remember what Jesus did, we're going to become men most miserable with no hope. But when I come and I've got hope, I've got faith now, and I know I've got a future because of what Jesus did. So as you take that piece of bread, Father, I thank you tonight. You that are at home, grab, grab you a cracker, a cup of coffee, a glass of water, milk, whatever you can grab real quick. Just grab it and take it with us tonight. Father, I thank you tonight. Oh, before I do it, before I do it, let me say this. There's a part that we'll say we take it unworthily. He's not talking about whether you've got sin in your life or not. He's talking about when you don't take the seriousness of what he's done for us. When we just blow this off as something casual. Now, I'm not saying that we ought to come in here full of junk and everything, but it's more about, because we'll address this next week, because they were, it just began to be another meal. There was nothing to it. But Paul in the midst said, it's been given to me by the Spirit. So God, I thank you tonight. I thank you for the power of your blood. I thank you for the power of your flesh. You said, God, except we eat your flesh and drink your blood, you said we have no life. But when we would do this, God, you said your life would now become our life and our life becomes your life. And now I'm more like you than I ever was, God, as I take partake of you, not once in a while, but I partake of you every day, as I partake of you every moment, as I dwell upon you, as I remember those things which you have done for me. God, I believe that you gave your only son, God, to come to this earth, to become human, to become flesh just like I am, that me through his flesh might become like you, Father. And tonight, Lord, I embrace you, Jesus. I embrace that work of the cross. I embrace that finished work that said the sentence has been paid in full.
I embrace that work of the cross that says the battle has been completely won. I embrace that, that law that would say the sentence has been paid. The time has been taken care of. So tonight, God, we as your people, God, as we stand here, we repent, God, of the foolishness that we've allowed to enter our lives. God, all the schism, the division, the ideas against what we don't understand, what we don't even like. And no, it's not just giving in and saying everything goes. That's not it at all. But it's us choosing to say, I'm a follower of Jesus. There's something greater. Help me to see in them maybe what you're doing, even when they're doing it, Father, when they're doing it immaturely. Help me to have us eye to see. Help me to be in alignment tonight. Help me to be in focus of what you've called me to do. Help me to walk in the Spirit completely towards my brothers and sisters and to walk in it that all men will see and know you. So Jesus, we eat of this bread tonight representing your flesh. I take your flesh tonight. Let's eat. God, God, I thank you for the precious blood. The blood, the blood, the blood that is still just as real. The blood that is just as powerful. You said we are overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And tonight, Father, we take this blood, the new covenant in your blood. I take that in. And you said, God, in that covenant, God, you said you would protect. You said you would take care of. You said you would provide. You said you would heal. You said you would keep me in peace. You said, God, that my enemy was your enemy. So tonight I stand in the power of the blood the blood of Jesus is against you tonight and the blood of Jesus is in me so therefore you have no authority and no right you have nothing on us tonight in the name of Jesus so we receive the blood tonight let's drink now let's just give him thanks before we leave Father thank you thank you that we walk in a place of peace Thank you that we walk in a place of victory over all of our enemies tonight. Because, God, we are walking in you. And it's you and us and us and you, God. I give you thanks for that tonight. For all of your goodness and all of your grace and all of your blessing, Lord. God, I speak your peace over this people tonight. God, I thank you for your grace that is so abundant I thank you for all you're doing in the land, God. And I know, God, even when the world says it cannot happen, your body is going to come together. And, <coughs> and the greatest revival the earth has ever seen will be revealed in the land. And I believe the greatest harvest, God, that we've ever, ever attracted is coming in. And I believe it's now, God. And I thank you for it. And I thank you that you're allowing us to be a part of it. And we're partakers in this great move of God. And so I give you praise and honor. Bless your people. Give them a great rest tonight. In Jesus' name, everybody said.